chapter number 12. That's the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 12. Uh, you know that uh, back in October we completed the book of Jonah and just trying to find the mind of God, what's next while we wait. We're just looking at some people that God commended for what they did in their life. We looked at Caleb and we looked at Abraham and now we're looking at a couple of women. Mark chapter 12 that the Lord gave some commendable statements about. Again, Mark chapter number 12. And I'd like us to, uh, if you would follow as I read verse 41 and 42. I know that there's two more verses about this woman. But again, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. The Bible says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Look there in verse 33, sorry, 43. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we are so grateful for each one that's here. And Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you how you provide for every need that we have. And Lord, we thank you that you set it up in such a way in the middle of the week. We could stop what we were doing, gather together as believers, sing these songs that are precious to us, and then look into the Word of God. And Lord, the last number of weeks, we've been looking at some people that you gave high commendation for. We've looked at a couple of men, and now we're looking at a couple of ladies and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, consider what Jesus considered about this woman. And he thought that uh, she would be a great example, no doubt, for others to follow. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand what's happening. Lord, I know that this is a reasonably familiar story of the Bible. And yet, Lord, there's always something to learn. Direct my words, fill me with your spirit. And Lord, help us to go away the better for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, this is a very familiar story about the woman that gave two mites. And so we notice there again, if you would, verse 42, the Bible says there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And so we're going to take a little bit of time to look at her uh, and see what we can learn. From the outset, preacher, what do we know about this story? First of all, it's recorded in two of the Gospels. It's recorded here in Mark chapter 12. It's also recorded in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 21. So the first thing, it's in two of the Gospels. must be important. Second thing that we learn is that these people are giving, and they're giving in the temple. Back up there to verse 35. Mark chapter 12 and verse 35, it says, And Jesus answered and said, Well, he taught in the temple. So at least from verse 35 to the end of the chapter, this happens in the temple. Question, where is the temple? The temple's in Jerusalem. There were many synagogues. They had synagogues in most of the cities. But there was only one temple. So Jesus is here in the temple. Our Lord has just preached in the temple. In fact, look again at verse 35. And Jesus answered and said, well, he taught in the temple. 
So there was a designated part in the temple where the teaching took place, Jesus taught there. And then we learn again from verse number 41 that Jesus moves to a different place and Jesus sat over against the treasury. So there apparently was a different place where people took their gifts, where people took their offerings. Again, so we know it's recorded in two Gospels. It takes place in the temple. It takes place in the city of Jerusalem. The temple was a place for teaching. The temple, if you would, back there, just one chapter, Mark chapter 11, verse 17. Mark chapter 11, verse 17, it says, And he taught Jesus saying unto them, Is it not written, My house? That's again the temple. My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. So the temple is a place of teaching. The temple is a place of praying. Uh, look there in Mark 11, verse number 15. Mark 11, verse 15. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not uh, suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. Uh, the temple third was a place where holy living was encouraged. And the fourth thing about the temple is where they gave. So back there to Mark chapter number 12. Uh, Jesus is sitting here by where they gave. And we don't do that. We don't have someone standing by where you give and watch what you give. But it's that Jesus did. And could I say he's still watching? Now, you can't see him, but he's still watching. Preacher, what is it that the Lord is watching for? I think, first of all, he's watching if people give. I think, secondly, he's watching what people give. I think third, he's watching how much people give. I think fourth, he's watching how much people could have given. I think our Lord, as he watched people, he watched how people give. Look there in Mark 12 and verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money. I, I suppose you could get from that that some, when they gave, they gave just to be seen. And some, when they gave, they wanted to sound a trumpet so everybody noticed that that's what they were doing. So again, our Lord uh, watched if people give and, and what people give and how much people give and how much they could have given, how people gave. I think the Lord watches why people give. Now, you know, we can't see someone's heart, but God can certainly lick, uh, look in someone's heart and uh, our Lord can see that. He can see why we give or why we don't give. And I think, uh, notice the place that he watched all that was in the house of God. And so it ought to be true that your and my giving is in the house of God. It ought to be true that we give. It ought to be true that we give for the right reason. And, and uh, Lord takes look at all of that. And again, I say that I think the Lord's still watching. And we can't see him, but he is still watching all those things and so here, notice again in verse 41, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. Imagine that. He pulled up a chair, sat down there, and he watched what people gave. That would make, I suppose, people feel very awkward. As he watched them, they watched him. And they watched him watch them. And uh, maybe some were just sneaking through with an empty envelope. 
dumped it in real quick like. And so again, our Lord is sitting there and he's watching as they gave. And uh, notice what Mark writes about what Jesus noticed. Look there in verse 41. Again, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money in the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. And so our Lord knew exactly what people were giving. He still does. And Mark writes here that our Lord noticed that many that were rich cast in much. So he noticed that. Uh, look there, what else the Lord noticed, according to Mark, verse 42. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. So our Lord knew who gave much. Our Lord knew who gave little. Our Lord knew why they gave. And you know, it's strange. I've heard a number of messages on this text. And believe it or not, I've heard a lot of criticism, scolding, of these rich people who gave much. And yet, as you read the commentary, as you read the text, nowhere does our Lord criticize these who are rich that they gave much. Now stop for a minute. Why would you criticize somebody in a church that gave much? Now, if they were giving much to be seen, well, maybe there's fault with that. But folks, every church takes finances so that it can function. You know it's true. You know that our church, as any church, we take up offerings. I know that some in our church now do eat transfers. I know that. I know that some in our church put in an offering when it comes by. I know that. But you know, if nobody gave, the church couldn't operate. It takes funds to pay for a building, to pay for all the utilities. So it's kind of strange that anyone would criticize those that gave much. I want you to look for even a note of criticism. See if you can find it. Let's, let's follow as I read verse 41. See if anywhere the Lord criticizes these who are rich and give much. Verse 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Any criticism of those that cast in much yet? No, there is no criticism. Verse 42, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Any criticism yet? Still not. Verse 43, and he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. There's still no criticism. And so we need to be careful of those that are able to give more. And we need to be thankful that they give more. Again, I, through the years, I've learned that it takes finances to run a church. I've learned that big churches, large churches, large church ministries, many times God raises up what's called money people to help them to finance that work. Bob Jones University had a money man. We know that Hiles Anderson College, Anderson was the money man, money man behind that work. We know that Pensacola Christian College had an Arlen Horton who had funds. So there's no criticism of giving, certainly not in the book of Mark. The only, in all my reading commentaries, 
I read of one that said, well, I think the word uh, that is criticism is cast. Look there in verse 41. Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. So they said, that's the criticism. They probably cast it to get the attention of those that are watching. Well, let's see what the woman did. Verse 42. And there came a certain poor window, uh, widow and she threw in. I don't know that you can make much of a difference between casting in and throwing in, but if there still was grounds to doubt, keep your hand in Mark chapter 12. Look there in Luke chapter 21, because that's the companion text. Luke chapter 21. Well, pastor, maybe that word cast, and that's how those rich men were giving their offering. Maybe the word cast is where the criticism comes. Well, let's see. Luke chapter 21 is how Luke wrote this story up. The Bible says, And he, Jesus, verse 1, And he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. So it can't be the cast. All I'm saying is there's no criticism for giving. There's no criticism for those that were able to give more. That's really not the context of the problem that we find in the lesson we're to learn. So if you're taking notes tonight, uh, we're calling this the widow and her two mites. Back up there, if you would, to Mark chapter number 12. Look there in Mark 12 and verse 42. Again, the widow and her two mites. Mark chapter 12, verse 42. The Bible says, And there came a certain poor widow. Could I begin by looking at the details of this widow's life? The details of this widow's life. Do you know, after a surface reading of the text, we only have two details. We find out that she was a widow. Now, widow just means she's lost her husband. Her husband has passed away. We're not told uh, how she lost her husband. We're not told if he died because of some sickness. We're not told if he was in some kind of an accident. We're not told if it was just from old age. So she's a widow, but we're not told how she lost her husband. We're also not told when she lost her husband. We're not told if this was something that happened just recently or if it's something that happened many years ago. We're not told where she lost her husband. We're not told if he was in some foreign place and he died. We're not told any of that. All we're told, one, is that she was a widow. The second thing that we're told again in Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 12 and verse number 42 is she was poor. I know that uh, some people's measurement of poor is different, and I didn't get to look up these details, but uh, Canada announces a poverty line. And if somebody is making less than this amount, then they are living in poverty. Pastor, is this, is this what the Bible says, that this woman is poor? She just didn't quite meet the poverty line in her particular generation. Well, no. It's not that this woman was $500 under the poverty line. In fact, look there, if you would, in verse 42. The Bible says there came a poor widow and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Verse number 44. For all they did cast into their abundance, but she of her want did cast in 
all that she had, even all her living. And so uh, this statement that she's a widow, we accept that at face value. She lost her husband. This statement that she was poor, all she had was two mites. Two mites equal a farthing. You say, well, preacher, what can a person do with two mites? Keep your hand in Mark chapter number 12. Look in Matthew chapter 10 to give you an idea. All that she had to her name was two mites. Well, what could you do in that day with two mites? Look there in Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 29. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Remember, she had two mites which make up a farthing. Do you know, everything that that woman had to her name was sufficient to buy two sparrows. She is poor. <laughs> this woman has no husband. This woman has no finances. And by reading back there in Mark chapter number 12, it looks like she came to the temple alone. She's a widow. She's poor. And she's alone. What a life. Sometimes each of us complain about how tough life is. We haven't got it that bad. We aren't facing those kind of situations. Again, we're looking this evening at the widow and her two mites. And we've begun with the details of this widow's life. She was a widow and she was poor. Now, we all know of some widows that aren't poor. They, maybe when their husband passed away, left an insurance policy. We know of some widows that are rich. We also know of some uh, poor people that aren't widows. They still have a husband, still have a wife, still have children. This lady seemed to have everything against her. I give you a second thing. Look there in Mark chapter 12 and verse 42. Not only do we learn about the details of this widow's life, but look at Mark 12, verse 42. And there came. Came to where? Where did she come? House of God. Do you know how many people in a situation like hers could have said, why would I go to the house of God? What has God ever done for me? The God who claims that he could do anything. Look what God has done to me. This poor widow could have become very bitter at God. And yet we read there in verse 42 that she came in spite of all of her difficulties, in spite of all of her troubles, all of her trials. She still came to the house of God. You've already written, uh, uh, hopefully, if you're taking notes, the details of this widow's life. But I'd have you write, secondly, the direction of this widow's life. In spite of all of her difficulties, she didn't use any of that as an excuse why she wouldn't be in the house of God. She went anyway. And no doubt when Jesus was teaching in verse 35, she was there. No doubt, and we know it because we read it, that when Jesus sat by the offering, the treasury that day, she was there. So I say the second thing that we have to commend this woman for is the direction of her feet. You know, Pastor, with all that's happened in her life, 
that God could have prevented. Why would she go to the house of God? Because only in the house of God would she be reminded of all that God is. God's her creator. And that God is her counselor. And that God's her comforter. And that God's her captain. She's not going to be reminded of those truths out in the world. But she'll be reminded of them in the house of God. And maybe that's why she went to the house of God. Maybe the reason that she went to the house of God is she'd be reminded not only of what God is, but what God's done. It was God that made her. It was God that saved her. It's God that guides her. I think that she reminded herself that in spite of all the difficulties that she had in life, that it was in the house of God where she'd find true friends. I would suggest to you that a woman, a woman that had nothing, not, not, only enough to buy two sparrows, who wants sparrows? It might be hard to find a friend. Sometimes when we're in our direst traits, there's not a friend to be found. I think she went to the house of God because she knew there she would find a friend. I think that maybe she went to the house of God because there she'd learn more about God. Folks, you probably weren't taught more about God in the world this week. Your co-workers probably didn't stop you and say, can I give you a blessing? Can I, can I tell you what God can do? I don't know that anybody had that happen in your life this week. I don't know any of you ladies that were in the grocery store this week that bumped into someone else with a shopping cart and they came around the front of that and said, I just want to tell you how good God is. I don't think you're going to get that from anyone, but she knew that she could get that kind of in, uh, instruction and teaching in the house of God. This woman, in spite of the details of her life, is to be commended for the direction of her feet. She still went to the place where she would be helped. She would be encouraged by the songs, the teaching, the preaching. I think she knew in the house of God that she'd had an opportunity to thank God and praise God and to serve God. And I think that in the house of God that she knew that her spirit would be refreshed. Look there in Mark chapter 12 and verse number 37. Mark 12 and verse 37, it says uh, when Jesus was preaching there in the temple that day, last part of verse 37, and the common people heard him gladly. Do you know when Jesus was teaching in the temple, it just put a skip in the step of the people that were there. Maybe she was convinced, as rough and tough as my life is, there's one place where I can be refreshed. Not only refreshed, but look there in verse 38. Jesus still teaching in the temple. And he said unto them in his doctrine, uh, in, sorry, in his doctrine, beware of the scribes, and, and so there's a warning. I'm trying to say that in spite of, in, in, instead of using the difficulties of her life for why she shouldn't have to go to the house of God. After all, what's God ever done for me? How's God helped me? What miracles has God done in my life? Instead of that attitude, she said, no. That's exactly where I need to be in the difficulties of my life. And I'm saying to you that uh, maybe you're on the top of the mountain. Well, it could be that tomorrow you're at the edge of the cliff. <laughs> maybe you're on the top of the mountain. 
But maybe you'd say, well, preacher, no, I, I can't even see the top from where I'm at. That's how far down I am. Then you need to make this kind of decision. I need to go to the one place where I'll be reminded about all that God is and all that God's done, where I can find friends that will help me, where I can learn more about him, sing about him, be taught about him, worship him, praise him, where my spirit can be refreshed, where I can be warned of dangers in this life. We've already looked at the details of this widow's life. She was a widow and she was poor, and she was probably alone. Secondly, the direction of this widow's feet, she still made her way to the house of God. I give you a third thing there in Mark chapter 12, and look again at verse number 42. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in. It wouldn't have been hard for her to convince herself that I would do better in church than I would do out of church. I don't think that would have been hard to convince herself of. But you know, it's one thing to be in the house of God. And it's another thing to participate in the house of God. She could have said, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. But I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to volunteer for anything that's happening. They can ask me all day, all night, forget it. I'm not going to be involved in anything. Yet when it came time to give an offering, she wanted a part. I don't think anyone would have criticized this woman who had nothing to give. All she had was two mites, which make up a farthing. You know, when we talk about people's wealth, sometimes we say, that guy's a billionaire, probably no one here. But when we talk about some people's wealth, we would have to speak in terms of billions. Well, when we talk about some people's wealth, we would talk in terms of millions. When we talk about some people's health, wealth, we don't talk billions, we don't talk millions, we talk hundreds of thousands. When we talk about some people's wealth, we might talk about thousands. Do you know when you talk about this woman's wealth, you couldn't talk of using any of those terms all you can talk about with this woman is mites. <laughs> That's how low on the financial totem pole this woman was. And yet she was not about to be excluded from the things that were happening in the house of God. And when it was time for an offering, she said, I'm in. I suppose when it was time for ministries to be claimed, I'll have one. I think that when there was a work day, she was there. I think that maybe when a helper in a class was needed, she raised her hand. I think that this woman had a desire to be a part of everything that was going on in the house of God. And so that's why the third thing, if you'd write this down, you've already written the details of the widow's life and the direction of the widow's feet. I would have you see the, the third is the desire of this widow's heart. And she didn't go just to get. She didn't go just to be a taker. This woman went to be a giver. She wanted to participate in all that was happening. 
If there is going to be congregational singing, I'm sure that she sang. If there was going to be a time of prayer, she was there. Again, if there was going to be volunteers needed for a ministry, she wanted in. There was going to be some kind of outreach to reach those that have not yet been reached, she wanted in. And you see, Pastor, on what basis do you think that she had that kind of a desire? Because in verse 41, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. When she saw others were giving for the needs of the house of God, she said, I want to do that too. God bless her for that. And God bless every Christian, though you might not have the same abilities and the same talents, though you might be intimidated, that sounded intimidating, though you might be intimidated around those that can play an instrument, you can't. Though it might make you nervous around people that can sing well, and you can't. We can't. <laughs> though, though you might be embarrassed by those that can take a scripture and develop it and teach it in the Sunday school department, and you can't. Do you have a desire to do something for God? Or has your inability become the excuse why you won't? They're taking an offering. Jesus sat there and watched, but as this woman saw other people that were giving. She couldn't give what they gave. She didn't have what they gave to give. But she said, I have something. And thank the Lord that she, with her something, gave of what she had. This widow woman didn't excuse not giving because the amount that she would give would be so small compared to others. Do you know God is not looking for you to give what you don't have? God is only interested in watching you give of what you do have. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. And so the Lord's looking down in the heart. And the Lord's saying, you know what? She wants to give something. And our Lord was measuring what she gave by her heart. Again, I say the third thing that we learn is the desire of this widow's heart. Say, well, preacher, do you really believe that God expects everyone to give? And folks, I'm not preaching on giving tonight. It's not, it's not where we're aiming at. We're aiming at why God would commend this poor widow. But pastor, do you, do you really think that God would expect everyone in a church to give? I do. Keep your hand there and mark, if you would, turn over to Leviticus chapter 5. Leviticus chapter 5, certainly in the Old Testament economy, certainly in the nation of Israel back during the wandering years of Israel, God expected every Jew to give. Uh, there, Leviticus chapter number 5. Again, Leviticus chapter 5, and here God is laying out the sacrifices that those Jews were to give. Now, now notice, follow the progression here. Luke chapter, sorry, Leviticus 5. Start there in verse number 6. Leviticus 5, verse 6. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goat. Stop right there. 
So the Lord laid out the required offering, and this was a sin offering, and he said that the people needed to bring a lamb or the kid of the goats. Well, Pastor, what happens if some Israelite didn't have that? Preacher, I guess they were scot-free. Well, no, look at the next verse, verse 7. And if he be not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he have committed two turtle doves or two young pigeons. So God said, I'm looking for you each to bring a lamb. And someone says, well, I don't have a lamb. Oh, he said, okay, if you don't have a lamb, then instead of a lamb, you can bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Likely somebody in that Jewish nation was going to say, I don't have that either. I guess I'm off. No, look at verse 11. But if he be not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he that sinned shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah of fine flour. Do you understand? God expected everyone in Israel to give something. That's the Old Testament. Look there, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Preacher, do you really think in the New Testament God would expect everyone in a church to give something? I do. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, look there in verse number 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, verse 2, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, hath God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. God expected everybody. Now, again, I, I'm not preaching and giving. You say, oh, Pastor, it sure sounds like it. Well, I'm not. We're, we're trying to highlight this woman. But this woman, back to Mark chapter 12, this woman wasn't looking for a way to get out. This woman was looking for another way to get in. And our Lord commended her for that. I give you the last thing. We've looked so far at the details of this widow's life. And we've looked at the direction of this widow's feet. We've looked third at the desire of this widow's heart. Could I give you the last thing? Look there in Mark chapter 12 and verse 43. And he, that's Jesus, called unto him his disciples. That tells us the disciples weren't sitting there at that treasury themselves. So Jesus watches this woman, what she has just done. He called unto him the disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Do you know, our Lord not only saw what she gave, but our Lord also delighted in what she gave. That's the fourth thing. If you're taking notes, consider the delight of this widow's Lord. Uh, uh, of Yes, this widow's Lord, that's Jesus Christ. He sat back and he watched it. And I know that he knew her heart. But could I suggest our Lord's jaw dropped? <laughs> and he said to the side, come on, come on. And they came over and they said, Lord, what, what's up? He said, I want you to know that that widow right there, she just cast more into the treasury than all of those rich men. Now, you understand, she, the Lord didn't say she cast in more 
than any one of those rich men. Our Lord said she cast in more than all of those rich men. You see, preacher, that doesn't make any sense. He explained it in the very last verse, verse 44. For all they that did cast in of their abundance, they had lots, they had lots and lots, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know, our Lord uses a different measuring stick, obviously, than we often do. Our Lord didn't look at the fact that hers could only be measured by a scale of two mites. Our Lord looked at what she gave compared to what she could have given. And she gave her all to the Lord. And our Lord was delighted with that. And that's why he told his disciples, and you remember how the Lord delighted in Job. Remember Job chapter 1, before all of Job's trouble. The devil came uh, there to heaven and reported to God, and God said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? God is bragging on Job. And here God is bragging on this woman. God is absolutely delighted with this woman. You know, our story started with verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people gave. Do you know, I think the Lord still watches. He still watches everything that we do. And I wonder when he watches, is he delighted? Is he amazed? I think our Lord watches if we go to the house of God. He watches that. He watches if we choose to stay home or if we choose to go. I think our Lord watches how often we go. I think our Lord watches why we go. Well, my dad made me. <laughs> my, my mom made me. My wife made me. My husband made me. I, I think our Lord not only watches if we go, why we go, when we go, what we go for, what we're looking for when we go, what we give when we go, what we get when we go. Folks, you're going to get out of church what you're looking for. And if you're looking for a blessing, I guarantee you'll get it. If you're looking for something to criticize, I guarantee you'll get it. So our Lord, looking in our hearts, he is either delighted with what he sees, or our Lord is disturbed by what he sees. I think our Lord uh, watches whether we have grace for others that don't have what we do. I think our Lord is watching whether we have a goal to become more and more like Jesus Christ. And again, I say to you that God is obviously using a different measuring stick. He's not just measuring the amount that's given for this woman. He's measuring it according to the amount that she could get, and she gave her all. I don't think our Lord is looking for the hype around our giving but he's looking for the heart behind our giving. Again, some people give out of the sense of uh, honesty. I, I have to, the Lord said so. Some people are giving out of the uh, mindset of fear. If I don't give, then God's going to judge me for it. I think some folks give out of a purpose of pride, and 
hopefully others will watch. I think some, though, they give out of a love for God. And you know, I think that God, as he looked into this woman's heart, there's no bitterness. You say, well, who would she bitter, be bitter? Well, she could have been bitter at her husband for passing away. She could have. If she had children and maybe they weren't with her anymore, she could have been bitter at her children. She could have very easily been bitter at God. But as he looked into her heart, he saw no bitterness in her heart. All he saw in her heart was a want to. And how can I do something for God? And how can I do more? How can I give my all to God? God looks at that. And God's delighted at that. And when you came tonight, I'm preaching the ones that came tonight. Why'd you come? Who made you come? What's your purpose in coming? Did you get it already? Or did you just come because you felt there's no better place for my heart to be stirred to draw closer to God? That's an honorable reason to come. Did you come looking for somebody that you could be a blessing to? Did you come wanting to learn something more about God? Did you come to give? I'm, we're not talking about finances, though certainly that's part. Did you come to give? Did you come to figure a way that maybe you could give more? Two conflicting stories a man who started going to a church younger in life, he just set a policy that he'd put $5 in the offering every service he was there. It was great. As he grew older and his job paid more, he stuck at $5 every week. <laughs> so when he was making 100 a week, he still gave him 5 1000 a week, still gave him 5 10000 still gave him 5 one day the offering came by and he pulled out of his wallet without looking at it. He threw it in the offering basket. And he didn't realize to the very next day that he had put a $100 bill instead of his normal five. <laughs> he was frustrated with himself. And he called up the treasurer and he said, I made a mistake in my giving. And I am so sorry, but he said, I only meant to give five and I gave a hundred instead. Could I get my hundred back so I can give my five? And treasurer said, sorry, it's already deposited in the bank. And he was a little miffed at that. But he said to the treasurer, well, at least I'll get credit in heaven for giving a hundred. And the treasurer said, no, you won't. You only get credit for five. God sees what you did and the heart at what you did. So you don't want to be like that. The other story is told, and this is a true story, I'm not sure if the other one is true, that there was a widow woman who had a son. And when that son reached about 20 years of age, he felt the tug of God in his heart to be a missionary to Africa. So he did all the preparation that was necessary, and that son headed off to Africa to be a missionary, to get the gospel to those people that had never heard it before. But in short order, he got sick. And very quickly, that son died. And he filled a missionary's coffin in a foreign country. That news was sent back to his mother 
that her son had died on the mission field. That son had a brother, so this widow had two sons. And the brother hearing about his older brother that had died giving his life to reach that, that people with the gospel, that younger brother said to his mother, I would like to be a missionary too. And she looked at him and she said, pardon? And he said, my brother went because God called him. I would like to reach those people that my brother never reached. And the mother said, okay. And that younger brother got together all that was needed to go to the mission field. He was not there long before he also got sick. And he died. And now you have two missionaries' bodies that are buried side by side in Africa. When news of her second son, just having died, got back to that widow mother, she wept. Her friends came to try to console her. And they said, this is just so tragic. And she opened her eyes and she wiped her tears and she said, I am not weeping over the fact that God has taken my two sons on the mission field. I am weeping because I don't have a third son to send there to. Do you understand? God looks at what we do. And God looks at the heart behind what we do. You can sing and not have your heart in it. You can pray and not have your heart in it. You can be in church and not have your heart in it. You can pass out a track and not have your heart in it. You can do a lot of things in the Christian life. And in your heart, you can be critical that God has not done you better. That is not this woman. This widow woman had every earthly reason to be upset with God but something in her heart maybe it was kept rich in her heart because she kept herself in the house of God but her attitude is Lord you've been better to me than I deserve I want to do more that desire delighted the Lord.